0: Father God, I do lift uh, up our pastor and ask that you would touch his body and that he would uh, be feeling better, Lord, that it's just a, a cold or what's going on there, that you would heal him and touch him. And Lord, we, we do lift up the upcoming trips with the junior hires and, and the Keno Bay trip, Lord. I pray that you would just prepare those that are, uh, that are going and that, Lord, they would just be a blessing, and, Lord, that you would just keep them all safe as they, as they travel. And, God, we just thank you that we can bring them before you. And, Lord, we do ask that you would bless this time as we get into your word. That, Lord, you would uh, be glorified and that you would just speak to our hearts. And, Lord, that you would do what you need to do in our hearts and our lives as we, uh, as we look at this passage. And, Father, I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you look at uh, the Gospel of John here, chapter six. I know we're kind of jumping into the the middle of the uh, of the chapter, but in the early part of the chapter, we need to kind of get caught up here so that we can uh, go where we're going here. But in the first part of the chapter, Jesus and the disciples had went across the the Sea of Galilee there, and we're spending some time. And a multitude came there. And it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And so Jesus uh, takes the the loaves and the the fish there and and feeds the uh, the multitude and then sends the disciples away, tells them to to cross over to, to go to Capernaum. And as they get out in the Sea of Galilee, a storm comes up and... We have the story there, a little more detail in Matthew than in John. But the storm comes up, Jesus walks on the water out to him. That's where Peter gets to uh, step out of the boat there, step on the water. And, but we, and we see there that it kind of sets up what we're going to look at tonight. That, that Jesus had, then there, it says here in, in verse 22 as we pick it up there that on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So we just see that this scene of, of Jesus feeding all these people with, with just the loaves and the fish. And then he sends the disciples away and, said, and then sends the, the, the multitude away. And as they realize that Jesus was no longer there, then they follow him. And that seemed like a good thing, right? That this crowd is following Jesus. And we're going to look and talk about that a little bit because why were they following him? What was their motive? What was their heart that they were following him? And, you know, as I was studying this today and as I was looking at that, you know, God really impressed on my heart, why am I following him? You know, why do we follow Jesus? And why do we do the things that we do? That they came and they were looking for Jesus and we're also told in the first part that they'd come there seeking Jesus before they're at where he fed them. They come because they had seen that he was healing the sick, that he was taking care of, of all these diseases. And, and so they were, they were following him. And so they, they seen that he wasn't there. They, they come across the sea there seeking him. And it says, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, that they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They go, "Look, we know there was one boat. We know that you sent the disciple, your your disciples away. You were here. Basically, how did you get here? How how did you get over here? And you know, Jesus could have said, "Well, I took a walk. I I walked for a little while and then I hitched a ride in a boat." But As many times we see in the Gospels as questions are asked, especially with with Jesus, that he doesn't answer the question that they ask, but he answers the question that they should have been asking. They're going, how did you get over here? And Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you, You seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate the loaves and were filled. He didn't answer their question but he said here's the thing you're following me for the wrong reason. You're following me because you got a free meal. You're following me because of what you can get and what you can have right now that you're and we'll see as we as we develop this and as we look at this passage that they had seen the signs they had seen what Jesus had done they had seen him literally feed them and they had to know that that was a miracle within itself because hey there wasn't a food truck come up here and feed these people There, you know, there wasn't food around. And Jesus fed them, that Jesus took care of them. And they go, we know. He goes, you're following me because I filled your bellies. And so often I believe that as we look at the scripture, as we look at at Christ, that I got to be honest that I'm probably guilty of that as well of sometimes we follow Christ and we look at him for what hey he I'm sick I need you know hey I want him to heal me we want him to take care of us materially and Jesus here and we'll see and we know that Jesus is more concerned with our spiritual problem than our physical problems if you will that it's the spiritual thing That is the problem with these guys, you know, and it's interesting to me that that Jesus didn't try to draw in the big crowds. In fact, when you see most of the miracles that he did, it was to a very uh, small or unique group. And even, like I said, he, the whole walking on the water, he didn't say, hey, guys, I just walked across the Sea of Galilee no, he, it was, that was for the, the disciples. That wasn't for everybody. And Jesus didn't do the miracles and do the things that he did for a sideshow, if you will, to, to gather big crowds. In fact, at this time, he tried to avoid them. And it says that he left there because of, them, of him feeding them, that they wanted to take him by force and make him their king. And they wanted a earthly king. They were looking at him as a political leader, if you will, as a king, not as a spiritual leader, their king. That, hey, we're under this oppression and we want you. And so it says, you know, that Jesus sent them away. And and so he just gets right to the root of the problem of what was going on here of saying that, hey, you seek me not because, not for the right reason, not because you saw the signs, but because you got your bellies full. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, you could really take this verse out of context. Remember what we're talking about here. Oh, so I don't need to work. I don't need to to worry about food, right? Well, in a way, that's true. What does Jesus say? Seek me and my kingdom, and I'll add all these things to you. But we're also told, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. Timothy tells us that. You know, John and Timothy. So, you know, I mean, you could take this, and he's saying you're putting your emphasis on the wrong thing here. That you're more, again, more concerned with the material things in life than you are with the spiritual things in life. And again, I think that's very easy for us to do. Why? Because we live here and now. And when things are going on in our life, we want them fixed. We want God to intervene in those areas and He does so many times. That He does take care of those things. And He does provide for us. And He does those things. But is that why we're following Him? Are we following Him for those things? Are we following Him because He is the Messiah? He is our Savior. Do we follow Him because we need a Savior? And... That, you know, we're told, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has, you know, today has enough problems of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. But concentrate on the spiritual things, on the things of God. And so he's bringing them around to saying, guys, pay attention to what's going on here. And for you and I to go, you know what? Let's be more concerned with our spiritual health with the spiritual feeding that we get than we are with the material things that we do, that we have, that we look for. And then he says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Okay, what do we have to do? What do we need to do to do the works of God? Now, looking at this and coming at this from a Jewish standpoint there, how did they get to God? It was through the law. It was through works. And so they're saying, okay, what do we have to do? You know, and I think many of us ask that same question. What do we have to do to do the works of God? What do we have to do? What can I do to make that happen. Because we get into a works mentality. We get into, if I do certain things, then I'm going to please God. I'll be able to do the works of God. And we'll see here that Jesus said, that has, it's not of works. It's about who I am. It's about faith in me. It's about walking with me. What do we have to do? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. This is, you believe, well, that's what we need to do. He's going that you believe in him that is sent. And it's, you know, that Jesus said in in there in 27, because, you know, that God had put that seal on him, that saying ownership, if you will, and, and I think for you and I, what are we told? That we are sealed by the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus Christ. That we have that guarantee of salvation. That we have that guarantee that he has given us. And that we have that seal. And he says that this is the work. Not, notice what they said. What, that we may do the works of God. Here is the work of God that he sent his son for you and I, that he sent his son to redeem us, that he sent his son that we might have everlasting life, that he sent his son for those things, that Jesus is there. And therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Now remember, they just saw him feed them, It said before that they came and was following him because they seen the miracles that he had done. And they're saying, what sign are you going to give us? What sign are you going to do? So many times we're looking for a sign, are we not? That we're looking for something for God to do. And he says, I've already done it. The sign is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he came to die for our sins, that that is the sign and that that is what we need. And that is what he came to do. And yet they're still looking for a sign. And I I get it because, you know, so often you see somebody that that is not a believer and they're going through something in their life. And we're praying for them, and we want God to move in their life and heal them. And we think, God, if you would just do a miracle here, they would walk with you. Not so much. We see throughout Scripture that it wasn't the miracles that really... Look what he did bringing his children out of Egypt. All the signs and wonders and all the things that he'd done for them to redeem them from from Egypt and yet that didn't work did it as soon as they got in the desert they started complaining and whining oh you just brought us out here to die and yet he done marvelous things for them and yet and and again these guys had seen him heal they had seen him do miracles they had they experienced it in their own life of him feeding them and then they ask, what more, what sign are you going to give us that we will know that you're, what work will you do? And listen to what they say Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. He's saying, Yeah, we know you fed us yesterday, but hey, the manna was there for 40 years. Are you going are we going to start seeing some manna come here? Are you going to start feeding us? Are you going is that what is that what we're going to see? Is that what you're going to do to prove because they kind of had that mindset that the Messiah would when the Messiah came that that's what was going to happen. So they go, "Hey, we we seen that man, and we know in the desert." And that always amazes me. That Jesus, that God took care of them all that time for 40 years as they were disobedient walking in the desert, that he continued to feed them. He continued, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, that he took care of them all that time in the desert, even though they were in the desert because of disobedience. And yet God was still there for them. He was still there. And think about that. Think about the manna. They didn't have to do anything but walk out of their tent, their dwelling, to pick it up. All they had to do was walk out and pick it up. And God said, you know, take this much and no more. They could go out and pick it up or they could go out and trample the gift of God. Think about that. That as God rained down the manna from heaven for them, they could take advantage of that or they could trample that gift of God underfoot. They're going, hey, our fathers ate the manna. What are you going to do for us? What are you going to do? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. That, yeah, remember, it wasn't Moses that gave you the manna, it was my Father. It was God that took care of you. And so, now, He has given you the true bread from heaven, that true bread that's going to sustain us, that's going to give us life. Just as that manna kept them alive in the desert, the true bread of life, Jesus Christ, is going to give us life eternally. That that was just, you know, that sustained them for the day, for the years. But our Heavenly Father sent Jesus Christ that we might have eternal life. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That Jesus said, I came to give life. I came to take away the sins of the world. I came to deal with the spiritual problem, not so much worried about the material problem, the material things in our life. And if you think about that, Jesus came and died for our sins, that we might have life, that we might have eternal life, that we might spend eternity with him in heaven. What more does he need to do for you? If he never done anything else for you, is that not enough? Is that not enough for us? But yet, he gives us so much more. You know, as I sit and think about where I am and what God has done in my life and what God has given me, it amazes me. It, it is absolutely incredible how God takes care of us in the material way. But yet it's not about that. It's about our spiritual life. And are we going to feed the flesh? Are we feeding the spirit through the bread of life? through Jesus Christ. Why are we following him? Is it because we want good things from him? Or is it because he's, a, he's worthy of our praise? He's worthy of us that we should follow him because of who he is, not because what we can get from him. And he's going, I am the bread of life. I am the one that's sent down from heaven. That I, Just as that manna came from the Father... The Father has now sent me, the bread of life, to give life to the world that I am here to give life. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. This kind of reminds you, hopefully, it reminds me of another story where Jesus met this woman at the well. And he said, hey, I've got living water and she's saying, sounds good to me. If you, eat, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. And she's going, score. <laughs> I won't have to come to this stinking well every day. And Jesus says, you're not getting it. But he says, you'll never thirst again if you drink this water. And we're going to see here, he says, this bread, you're not going to hunger and thirst oh, we're still going to physically get hungry and thirsty. But again, so often Jesus says things and we read Scripture and and we don't get the spiritual aspect of that because we're looking at it more of a physical, material thing. And He says here, and then He said, Lord, give us this. This sounds good. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes... To me shall never hunger, and he believes in me, shall never thirst. That when we come and we surrender our lives to him, when we accept him for who he is, that he takes care of that spiritual hunger and thirst in our life. That thing that we long for, that thing that humans are looking for, that he gives us that peace, that he gives us that That joy in our life, that we will, we don't have to hunger and thirst for those things. Now, it's kind of strange that he said that because the more that we really realize who Jesus is, don't we hunger for more of that, for his word and for what he has for us spiritually? That when we really understand, who God is, and what He wants to do, that it, it does cause us to want to know Him more and want to know Him better. But we, we don't have to hunger and thirst for that because He fulfills that need in our life because He provides for our needs. He provides for those things. And again, it's so incredible to me that, that not only gives me eternal life, that He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives, that he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness and so much more that he does take care of us what did he say hey the birds of the air don't worry about that because their heavenly father takes care of them that if we focus on god that our priorities will be in order and our priorities will be right so that we don't worry about those other things. We will be doing what we need to be doing and that God will guide and direct us in those ways. And again, they're going, hey, give me this. And Jesus said, I am that. Come to me. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe. You've seen the things that I do and yet you you don't believe. You want more. You want something different. You you don't believe that I am who I say I am. That you don't, you're not following that. You see me, and yet you don't believe. So many people go, yeah, I I know there's a God. But I just, you know, they just can't grasp what jesus christ come to do that they just come so close as i think these guys are and yet they see the works of god and again maybe god has done a miracle in their life and yet still that's not what brings them to that belief it's coming to the part that that jesus is who he said he is and i love these next few verses Because we see the heart of God. We see what Jesus came to do. And verse 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will no means cast out. Jesus said, if you come to me, I'm not going to push you away. And I think there's a lot of people that think, man, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've done. That how could God forgive me? And Jesus said, come to me. And I will by no means cast you out. All that the Father gives me will come to me. That it's the Holy Spirit, it's God that draws us to himself. It's God That initiated as Pastor Pat's talked about the last few weeks. It's God that initiated this relationship that we're in. That when we were his enemies he called us. He revealed himself to us. Again that the Holy Spirit guides and directs and and reveals. And he says all that the Father gives me will come to me. And again the Holy Spirit draws us. But we have to respond to that. We have to come to him. We have to accept that. We have to make that move, if you will. As the Holy Spirit guides and directs and calls, we need to then respond to that. And as he says here, and if you come to him, he will by no means cast you out. There's nothing that you've done that will cause Jesus to reject you. When you come to Him, when you repent, when you believe in Him, He's not going to push you away. He's going to... He came to die for the world, to give us life. He came to do that, so He's not going to push us away. And, you know, a lot of people get uptight about... They get into election here of all the... Well, what if God doesn't bring... Well, come to him and see what happens. Come to him, he will not cast you out. I guarantee you, why? Because Jesus said it. It's right here, that he will in no way cast you out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if there's any other way. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I hope that that is the attitude of us here tonight. That as we see that, that as followers of Jesus Christ, that as believers in Christ, that our hearts and our attitudes are are that. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be perfect. I know that it's going to be what I need. That your will may not line up with my will, But let me put my will aside and your will be done. I was talking to somebody this week. And they said, I am really afraid to totally surrender to God. Because I don't know what he's going to do in my life. And I go, amen. (laughs) You don't. But I can assure you one thing. That it's going to be the best thing in your life. That it's going to be much more than if you follow your own will. That God's going to work in your life in such a way that it'll blow your mind. If you surrender to him and if you walk with him and as you totally give him control. And if we honestly say, God, not my will, but yours be done. That, you know, God has never asked me to give up anything that was good for me. He's never taken away anything that was going to be good for me. He's sure taken away a lot of things that were destroying me, that I thought were good for me, that I held on, that I didn't want to get rid of. But never will He take away something that is good for you. That God's plan for your life is the very best. He created you, He knows how you should operate. He knows the best thing for you, and he's given his son to die for you so that we might have life, so that we might experience life the way that God intended for us to experience life, through walking with Jesus Christ. And I know it's scary. It really is to to let go and just say, God, your will be done. Because you don't know where He's going to take you. You don't know what He wants you to do. But I guarantee you it's going to be good. I guarantee you it's going to be the best thing in your life. As you surrender to Him. As you give that to Him. As you walk with Him. This is the will of the Father. You want to know what the will of the Father is? Here it is. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Good news, people. God's not going to lose you. God's not going to forget about you. The will of the Father is that we get to heaven. That we get to spend eternity with him. Do you realize that God wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven? That He sent His Son to die for you so that you could have a relationship with Him? And it's not you holding on to Him, it's Him holding on to you. My grip gets pretty weak. I used to have a good grip, then I don't know what happened. (laughs) And if I'm trying to hold on to God, I'm in trouble but I know He's going to hold on to me. I know that He's going to see it through. What are we told? That He who started a good work in us will see it through to completion. That God's not going to lose any of us. That God is not going to misplace you. And I think sometimes we might think that. Who am I? You're a child of God. You're God's kid. He loves you. He's not going to lose you. He's going to make sure that you make it all the way. That that's the will of God. That God's will is that we make it all the way. Amen. And it's not just for etern- not for heaven. It's for right here and now. It's that we live in a way that is pleasing to God. And that is the best life that we could ever have. That is the most peace and joy that we'll ever find when we're walking in the will of God, when we're doing what God wants us to do. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean everything's going to be roses. But it does mean that He's going to sustain us. He's going to carry us through. And you know what? It is those hard times that brings us closer to Him where we see Him. You know, I think of the Apostle Paul, or of all the, you know, the Apostles, if you will, Their life wasn't easy, but they knew they were right in the will of God. They knew that they could go through whatever the world threw at them because God had them in His hand. And so no matter what's going on in our lives, God has it. And God will see us through. And God will carry us through those hardships, those hard times, those heartaches. And man, I know we've been through a lot. You know, a lot of families have lost loved ones, a lot of sickness, a lot of pain, a lot of weirdness going on, businesses, you know, people losing jobs and all sorts of things. Jesus has you. Through all of that, God has you. He's not going to lose you. He's not going to forget about you. He's going to sustain you and carry you through and get you where he wants you to be. And again, it may not be our plan, and it may not be what we think that we need. But yet, God's plan for your life is perfect. God's plan for your life. And so we really shouldn't be afraid of what God's going to do in our lives. Because it's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. And that He will raise us up at the last day. That that is God's promise and God's will. For our lives. In verse 40, and this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Every everlasting life is for now, it's not for when we die. That's part of it, because He says, He who has a son won't die. And he's talking spiritually. We know these bodies are going to give up. But spiritually looking at it. And again, what's he been talking about here? Get our eyes off of ourselves. Get our eyes off the material things. Get our eyes on Jesus Christ. Get our eyes on the spiritual things feed the spiritual part of our life and all of those other things are going to work out no matter what God has you and he's not going to lose you and he loves you and he wants you with him and I know we're here on Thursday night and I believe that I'm talking to mostly believers hopefully all believers but if you're here tonight and you're not I want to encourage you come to him accept him believe in him and he's not going to cast you away he's going to embrace you just as the father of the prodigal son saw that son coming up the drive and what did he do he ran to him and he embraced him welcome home son welcome home That's what he's wanting to to do for you tonight if you don't know him. And if you do know him, have you really surrendered your life to him? Have you really said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, those things that I've been holding on to, those things that have held me back, those things that... I've been afraid to let go of. Tonight's the night to let go of those. Just give them to Him. Fully sold out to Him and follow Him, not for the material gains or because He's going to feed you, but because He wants to give you eternal life. Let's stand up and, and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this passage. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord, that we can have that assurance, Father, that you're not going to lose us, that you're going to complete that work that you started in us. And God, I thank you that it's your will that we make it to heaven that we have that relationship with you. And Father, I just pray that we would just see that more clearly, walk with you more clearly. And tonight as we continue in an attitude of prayer, if you're here tonight and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity tonight, that I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to eternal life to say yes to the Father, to come to a saving knowledge of Him. And I'm just gonna say a quick prayer here and you can say this prayer with me. Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm asking you to forgive my sins, I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my life. Guide and direct me. That, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.